0: with its humours and errors, its light and its dark side, just as it happened, with the following few limitations. The year it belongs to is disguised, the names of persons are throughout fictitious, and at my instance certain slight liberties have been taken to conceal the identity of the English characters. Remember also that these persons are living now in the midst of us, and if you find one topic touched on with a light and hesitating pen, do not blame the editor who, whether they are known or not, would rather say too little than say a word that might savour of impertinence. E.C. March 1903 Chapter 1 The Letter I have read of men who, when forced by their calling to live for long periods in utter solitude, save for a few black faces, Have made it a rule to dress regularly for dinner in order to maintain their self-respect and prevent a relapse into barbarism. It was in some such spirit, with an added touch of self-consciousness, that at seven o'clock in the evening of 23rd September in a recent year, I was making my evening toilet in my chambers in Pall Mall. I thought the date and the place justified the parallel—to my advantage, even—for the obscure Burmese administrator might well be a man of blunted sensibilities and coarse fibre, and at least he is alone with nature, while I—well, a young man of condition and fashion, who knows the right people belongs to the right clubs, has a safe, possibly a brilliant future in the Foreign Office—may be excused for a sense of complacent martyrdom when, with his keen appreciation of the social calendar, he is doomed to the outer solitude of London in September. I say martyrdom, but in fact the case was infinitely worse— For to feel oneself a martyr, as everybody knows, is a pleasurable thing, and the true tragedy of my position was that I had passed that stage. I had enjoyed what sweets it had to offer in ever-dwindling degree since the middle of August, when ties were still fresh and sympathy abundant. I had been conscious that I was missed at Morven Lodge party. Lady Ashley herself had said so in the kindest possible manner, when she wrote to acknowledge the letter in which I explained— with an effectively austere reserve of language, that circumstances compelled me to remain at my office. "'We know how busy you must be just now,' she wrote, "'and I do hope you won't overwork. We shall all miss you very much.' Friend after friend got away to sport and fresh air with promises to write and chafing condolences, and as each deserted the sinking ship I took a grim delight in my misery.' positively almost enjoying the first week or two after my world had been finally dissipated to the four bracing winds of heaven. I began to take a spurious interest in the remaining five millions, and wrote several clever letters in a vein of cheap satire, indirectly suggesting the pathos of my position, but indicating that I was broad-minded enough to find intellectual entertainment in the scenes, persons, and habits of London, and in the dead season." I even did rational things at the instigation of others, for, though I should have liked total isolation best, I, of course, found that there was a sediment of unfortunates like myself who, unlike me, viewed the situation in a most prosaic light. There were river excursions and so on, after office hours, but I disliked the river at any time for its noisy vulgarity, and most of all at this season. So I dropped out of the Fresh Air Brigade, and declined H's offer to share a riverside cottage and run up to town in the mornings. I did spend one or two weekends with the Catesbys in Kent, but I was not inconsolable when they left their house and went abroad, for I found that such partial compensations did not suit me. Neither did the taste for satirical observation last. A passing thirst, which I dare say many have shared, for adventures of the fascinating kind described in the New Arabian Nights— Led me on a few evenings into some shady haunts in Soho and farther eastward, but was finally quenched one sultry Saturday night after an hour's immersion in the reeking atmosphere of a low music hall in Ratcliffe Highway, where I sat next a portly female who suffered from the heat, and at frequent intervals refreshed herself and an infant from a bottle of tepid stout. By the first week in September, I had abandoned all palliatives, and had settled into the dismal but dignified routine of office, club, and chambers. And now came the most cruel trial, for the hideous truth dawned on me that the world I found so indispensable could, after all, dispense with me. It was all very well for Lady Ashley to assure me that I was deeply missed, but a letter from F., who was one of the party, written, in haste, just starting to shoot...